Here's a message from Ken Lavica. I hate to admit it, Jets fans, your guys balled out last night. Stone Lebanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVeca Live on ESPN 106.3. Ooh, man, this one's going to hurt. Last night was like taking a shot to the groin over and over and over again when something you dislike so vastly does things that appear to be impressive. And you just got to own it. And you know what? Damn it, I'm man enough to own it. Friday, Ken Levick alive. End of the work week here on ESPN 106.3 free ESPN app. On your smart speaker. And a John Levine Action and Attorney Studios downtown West Palm Beach. A much drier and sunshine-filled intracoastal for night two of the Sunfest. Stone Lebanowitz, my right-hand man, co-host, producer. He runs this catastrophe. If anything goes wrong, it's his fault until 2 o'clock. We are going to have J-Mart. Join us in the 1 o'clock hour. Hell, hang with us the entire 1 o'clock hour for our new segment, Just J-Mart, and we're going to check in with some of our WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29 folks who were out last night as uh, some locals. We're proud of them. Kyrie Elam, Evan Neal get drafted in the first round. But I spent yesterday on this crusade stone when I was trying to figure out what the biggest storyline was, and I put it up to everybody individually because it was one of those drafts where there was nothing set in stone. There was nothing in granite that this is what everybody's looking at. This is what you have to pay attention to. This is going to be the singular discussion everybody's going to have on sports talk radio or on message boards or with their friends. But mine was a focus on the Jets. Me as a Dolphins fan, I didn't have bleep to do last night. They weren't picking. They had cheat already. Everything was a done deal. So my original plan was to just sort of recline, go lazy boy style, be a dad, maybe put the hand in the pants, just sort of Al Bundy style and sit there and hang out and watch Ozark. But you know what? It drew me in. It drew me in. The damn draft drew me in. Of course it I did. I could not pull myself away from it. I like to take pride in the fact that there are some nights where I can get home and I can turn the game off and I can spend time with the family and I can catch up on some shows. But last night, damn you, Roger Goodell, and damn you, NFL. You have a pull on me, and they drew me into that thing. You're not at fault because it was over 100,000 people in attendance last night. It was a big deal. Well, one of them wasn't me. So <laughs> I should... I should have been able to separate myself and spent the evening with Jason Bateman and the woman from Inventing Anna, but I couldn't do it. I could not do it. Instead, I watched as not only Devo Samuel went nowhere, which I thought was absolutely going to happen, but I also watched as this team cleaned up in the draft. This team, and I want you to hear this phone call because I had a visceral reaction to it when I saw the happiness that came out of this war room. I introduced to you GM Joe Douglas, head coach Robert Sala, and their introductory phone call with their number four overall pick, Cincinnati corner, Sauce Gardner. Baggy Sauce Gardner. How you doing, brother? Joe Douglas. I'm great, man. Blessed to be here, man. Hey, man. You ready to join the family? 
Hey, man, I just want to thank y'all, man. If, if, if this happened at four, man, I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna be the highest draft in Cincinnati history, man. <laughs> well, here it, here it is. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, man, I'm gonna turn you over to Coach Sala. Hey, man, right, congrats, man. Welcome to the family. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> brother. Hey, yelling. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, we're excited. Um, we sweated for about 15 minutes, but um, you were you were always you were always the one, man. And uh, from one Detroit kid to another, we're gonna have a hell of a time out here turning this thing. And uh, want congratulate you and your family. Enjoy this. Oh, they're so happy. They're so happy. But it didn't end there, because then they got arguably the best receiver in the draft. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State, he's headed to the Jets. And now I think there's a legitimate discussion to be had about where the the, the, the most exciting receiving core is. Because you got to think Garrett Wilson's getting on the field day one. Oh, yeah. Anything to help uh, uh, the blonde guy who keeps throwing the ball into the grass uh, there in New York. All right. So then that was frustrating that that happened. The Jets had four and ten. Uh, they could have done something dumb and given up one of those picks for Debo Samuel, a Debo Samuel who only wants to play wide receiver. They didn't do it. I thought they were going to do it, and they didn't do it. And then, somehow, absolute stud, grown-ass man, Florida State defensive end, Jermaine Johnson is there for them at the end of the first round. How did this happen? The Jets, the Jets, the New York Jets, who I thought it was going to be whole hum at best for them. Dolphins me was going to cackle at the Jets attempting to flounder and find themselves maybe to 500, and suddenly their fan base is throwing a party today, and they should. And I want to make sure that we we are are clear on something. There's no such thing because in sports talk radio we love to do who won and who lost. There's no such thing as the day after being able to determine who won and lost in a draft. It's completely arbitrary, and there's no evidence, and you're not going to have evidence for years whether or not a team won or lost. But what you can gauge is promise or a lackluster appearance, right? Promise or a lackluster appearance. And if you're going by the team that displayed the most promise last night with the draft, not winners and losers, that's not a thing, but the most promise, it has to be the Jets. Yeah, no doubt. You, we, we spent two hours yesterday here from 12 to 2 talking about how we can't wait for them to botch this thing, right? We can't wait to watch the New York was, Jets debacle. I felt like it was written in the stars that they were going to face plant. And then they're having celebrations in the war room, and I have nothing to counter with. Because it was a great draft for them. It was the most promise right there. I know it. And I was excited to see what was going to happen with Debo, right? We inferred it yesterday. And then we got on the draft show with Pierre Garçon, who spent time in San Francisco, who knows that coaching staff and how they work. And he said, Debo's not going anywhere. You Mm -hmm. guys are tripping. And when he said it, when he explained it, it hit me like, oh, man, do we have these false hopes? And obviously the Jets didn't take them, and they don't plan on it because they picked up Garrett Wilson at 10. So the Jets look good last night. They're set up, man. They are set up. And they're excited, too. Man. I, I mean, I, I did not think they had it in them. I, I did not think that they had it in them. But the Jets, to me, stand out 
as the 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 biggest the biggest entity of last night. Like what the Jets did. Because I spent so much time focusing on them and thinking they were going to butcher this and were they going to overpay for Debo. But the Jets are what stand out most to me from last night. They killed it on every pick. They worked the phones as well as anybody. They got the dudes in what was the weirdest first round we've ever seen with drafts all over the place. A massive run on wide receivers. What did we talk about yesterday, Stone? We talked about eras. Different eras in the NFL. We are still in the midst of a strong quarterback era in the NFL. We are in the late stages of a tight end era in the NFL. And suddenly, an era that had gone dormant for a while, uh, it has received sustenance. And it is growing again into a very, very uh, 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 dangerous uh, herd of creatures. And that's the wide receiver era. That has come up now and is starting to, it's like in, in the animal kingdom. Uh, suddenly they're, what they feast on, footballs, it's in abundance again. It's grown up and now they're eating and they're eating and they're they're killing off all the other positions and it's all wide receivers and that's where the money's going. There was a run of wide receivers once we got past number 10, three and four picks and boom, all the receivers were off the board. All of them were off the board. All the names, whether it's Wilson, whether it's Jamison Williams. Olave. Olave off the board. All of them. The Saints moved up. The Saints moved up to go get Olave at 11. Uh, We thought that maybe, I thought that that might be a quarterback. Turns out it wasn't. It was Olave, and then only one quarterback was taken. So in a league that is dictated by what you have at the quarterback position, what was the story of last night? It was wide receivers, but it wasn't just drafting wide receivers. It was wide receivers that moved as well. Hollywood Brown, gone in the desert. And by the way, if I hear another person, another person try to tell me that Kyler Murray hasn't gotten enough help from the Cardinals, I'm going to eye gouge somebody because he has gotten A.J. Green. He has gotten DeAndre Hopkins. He has gotten Zach Ertz. And now he has Hollywood Brown. Kyler, there are no more excuses for you. You're the one who is hooking footballs into the chest of Rams defenders for touchdowns in the playoffs. The Cardinals have done everything they can, so much so that I don't even know what their game plan is. Is it to just play with 22 pass catchers on both sides of the ball and just pray? Is that what their game plan is? Yeah, I'm a fan of the trend that we're seeing with NFL GMs and head coaches teaming up former college teammates, right? Hollywood Brown is reuniting with Kyler Murray who, when they played at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. You got Jalen Waddle; They tagged him up with Tua, and it gives your guys confidence. We're seeing it more and more. Jamar Chase, right, with Joe Burrow. So so it made sense, and I kind of love the move. Sorry for Lamar Jackson, but I do love the move. But from then Arizona. The, the, the biggest wide receiver movement yesterday was A.J. Brown. Oh, by far. The Titans didn't want to pay him. The Eagles did. They're looking for reinforcements. They're looking for help for Jalen Hurts. So the Eagles say, hey, uh, go ahead and uh, take our 18 and take our third round, and we're going to pay A.J. Brown. Go ahead and send him our way. I mean, that was brilliant. That was absolutely brilliant. And and honestly, A.J. Brown, I think you would agree, significantly more productive than Hollywood Brown. I feel much better with the A.J. version of Brown than I do with the Hollywood version of, of Brown. And so... When you're giving up an 18 and the Ravens, uh, the Cardinals are giving up a 23, 
It, that's advantage Eagles. Now, yeah. the Eagles are paying them $100 million, 52 of that guaranteed, but that's a win for the Eagles. The Eagles pulled off the coup of the night, in my opinion. Oh, it's a big win. And Jalen Hurts throws himself into the conversation of he has the help he needs. Right now it's him. It's Miles Sanders. It's A.J. Brown. It's Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. Like Now they've given Jalen Hurts the pieces to succeed. Now it's time for him to show up. So they definitely won last night in the sense, in the context of it all. Absolutely, they won. Which pick or trade or moment stood out most to you last night in the NFL draft? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweet us up, at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Which pick or trade or individual moment stood out most from last night's round one of the NFL draft, because there were a lot of them. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. For me, Jets fans, I don't want to do it, and it pains me. And the pain, it goes from my right temple. Uh, it extends into my, my pancreas area, uh, and then it goes into my groin, and, and it's uncomfortable. And the mere thought of it sends me into into throes of pain. But Jets fans, your team did it. I mean, there are no winners and losers in the draft. You can't determine that. That's garbage. That's such an easy trope to, to use on Sports Talk Radio, and we use it as a crutch all the time. But there is a such thing as promise or uh, looming, uh, lackluster thoughts in a draft. And the promise award last night goes to the Jets. Yeah, it, they killed it. They 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 checked every single box they needed to last night. Yeah, and we had to sit through and we had to eat every single bit of it. But at least the Patriots flopped, right? I've seen them giving grades of F minuses and Fs, and they took one. They FCS. took a third round offensive lineman in the first round. Yeah, Sean McVay. You saw the video where he mentioned that they thought he was going to slide to like 104 or be available at 104. And what does Bill Belichick do? Take some no name University of Chattanooga you, guard. You know what this is with the Patriots? And uh, fine, it. it is there the potential that he could be amazing? Maybe, sure. But all I know is that that's so Patriots, and this is what Patriots fans just get off on, is, ooh, Bill knows better than you. It's so pretentious. Patriots fans, we get it. You love the fact that you you think that Bill Belichick can just unearth somebody, introduce somebody to the world, and then turn him into a diamond. But that largely is a myth. When it comes to, he maximizes good players. This is just the the apex of of uh, a Patriots team that wants you to think that they're smarter than you is going and doing something like that. Until I see otherwise, to me, the Patriots flopped hard with that dude from Chattanooga. Yeah, we've spent most of the offseason talking about how Bill Belichick and the Patriots fell asleep in free agency and how their old-school stuff's not working because now a lot of guys want to spend the money and win now and have that mentality. And Bill Belichick's just not changing his ways. Listen, we get it, Patriots fans. Bill Belichick is so much smarter than everybody in the NFL, even though he's lost to the Dolphins four straight times. He's so much more intelligent than everybody, even though uh, they've been barely a blip in the playoff radar since Tom Brady left. But Bill Belichick is so... Oh, big brain compared to everybody. That was crap last night. Okay, so you can celebrate the Bill Belichick Patriots pretentiousness all you want. That was a bad pick, and you have to eat it. 
Yeah, he was a two-time FCS All-American, but, I mean, I don't know how that's going to translate. We, we've seen it happen before. It's fine, but yeah, you he's a third-round grade, <laughs> a third-round grade that was taken at the end of the first round. The Patriots could have easily gotten him in the second round. Yeah, I was going to say he was obviously going to be there if the Patriots didn't scoop him up. We could absolutely be sitting here Monday talking about, oh, yeah, uh, Saturday is when the Patriots' first-round pick was taken by the Patriots, okay? That's not that's, – Bill Belichick's not smarter than anybody, okay? Stop that. Yeah, McVay said that he was hoping that he was still going to be there at 104. 104. Would you have been happy? Because I know Miami has 102. Mm-hmm. What would you say, you know, if the Dolphins picked up some UT Chattanooga offensive guard at 102? The th- uh, uh, fine. Great. Uh, okay, good. Uh, awesome. Because there are gems and, and diamonds in the rough in the third round. Yeah, sure, not sure. Not the first round. Yeah. So, uh, again, I don't want to hear this from Patriots fans that uh, the Patriots are back. <laughs> Which pick, trade, or moment stood out most last night in the NFL draft? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Me as a Dolphins guy, I am annoyed that the Jets were really good last night. The Jets were really, 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 really good last night, and they stand out to me. Let's go to Boynton. That's where Ernesto is. Ernesto is on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, Ernesto? Thanks for taking my call. Like always, Ken, and... Uh, what can I say? You know, congratulations to all to everybody out there, but I'm going to be petty. What the Jets did is nothing. Come on, it's the Jets. They're going to mess this up eventually. Come on. You guys, look, I'm a Giants fan. I'll, I'll speak for them. Relax. It's the Jets. They're going to they're gonna probably mess this up. They'll, they'll find a way. Yeah. They'll find a way. They'll do something. Come on, guys. It's the Jets. Just relax. They'll do something. This stuff. As for the Giants, hey, we picked up your local boy. So congrats on that. Um. Evan, they also we will start doing some pancaking. And um, hey, uh, the most shocking thing is really yeah, Debo not being moved, and actually the reverse that Tennessee actually let go. And also, uh, yeah, Hollywood, yeah, that was yeah, there was the other, it was the other trade that shocked me, and then Debo not being moved. Yeah, that kind of took me off. And yeah. the, and then and, and also what we talked about before about the Jets not actually pull, pulling the trigger on Debo or doing anything crazy. So it was I know it was. Pretty weird that the Jets actually did something non-Jet-like. But, hey, guys, on paper, they did right. But wait, the season hasn't started. Wait till they get on the field. And just see. Let's just, let's just see, guys. Let's just see. Let's just no, don't, don't get right, into guys? full football depression yet. Have a great weekend, Ernesto. Appreciate you. Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau, the Giants. They got it done, too. Yeah, the city of New York came out pretty well. Thibodeau and Evan Neal, those are such good pickups yeah. for them. And they, in positions that they needed, most yeah. importantly. Yeah, the Giants the Giants did well. I mean, that was that was a very good draft for them. I mean, it's stunning. The reach of the draft was the Patriots. The reach of the draft was the Patriots. Yeah, it has that to be. That was the singular reach of the draft. I, I do think Atlanta at eight taking Drake London was a bit of a reach as well. I, I didn't expect him to be the first wide receiver taken off the board. Yeah. And in the state of affairs they're in with Marcus Mariota, you're looking for a home run hitter. I don't think Drake London's your answer, really. I think there were so many other guys that would fit the system better, but hey, what do we know? Well, it kind of feels like, uh, because that obviously is a potential quarterback location, 
Uh, you got to think that they're going to go get a, a Matt Corral or a Desmond Ritter or no someone doubt. like that. Because um, I don't think Malik Willis is going to be there. Malik Willis, I think, is destined for Seattle. That's what it feels like. You were saying, what, they, they've got picks three and four in the second round tonight, right? Yeah, back-to-back. Yeah, so that one of those is going to be Malik Willis unless something stunning happens because there's not a quarterback team ahead of them in the, the, the opening two picks of the draft. Yeah, and then the other team who would take a quarterback is Atlanta, and they're like three or four behind right. Seattle. Uh, but then that, that uh, opens up the question, what's going to happen with Baker Mayfield? Because a team that no longer is going to be courting Baker Mayfield is Pittsburgh. The only team to take a quarterback in the first round. By the way, how weird is that? That stands out to me, too. That it's been since 2004 that the Steelers have selected a quarterback in the first round. Before that, you had to go uh, 20 years prior with Terry Bradshaw. And then, in a draft in 2022, the only team to take a quarterback in the first round is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I respect it. And it's a guy who's going to walk down the hall from his team's practice facility into the Steelers facility in Kenny Pickett. I respect it. Having consistency at the quarterback position in the NFL is key. And the Steelers have not had a losing season. It's probably because they've known who their quarterback was going into seasons and have been able to build around it. So I respect it. So Baker's not going there. We know that. Is Baker Mayfield going to Carolina still? We'll see how Robbie Anderson feels about that. I think if Seattle passes on Malik Willis or any of the other quarterbacks, that would be key for Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I mean, you got to think that gets resolved by the end of the weekend, though, right? It has to. But we also thought Debo, he whatever his thing is, was going to be resolved by the end of last night. Yeah, and that didn't happen. The front office of the New York Jets are probably just listening and making fun of us. Like, they're saying everybody's oh, talking yeah. about Debo. Oh. Debo this, Debo that, Debo this. If, if, and, and the New York Jets, who I discovered this morning, follow me on Twitter. If they've somehow tapped into my phone, oh, I'm yeah. Joe Douglas. I'm sitting there today. It's 1220. I've already got a cigar. I'm just kind of looking at my, my draft board, and I'm laughing at Ken Levicka. Just laughing, saying, that hater in South Florida who thought that the Dolphins had it made in the offseason and everything's good? Well, <laughs> what a jackass. He I knows, mean, Joe Douglas should be taunting me right now. Yeah, and he knows there's plenty of New York Jets and Giants fans where we're at here in West Palm Beach. So go ahead and, and tag him in a tweet. <sighs> tag the Jets and say, I'm so sorry, guys. Congratulations. And just eat it. It is so frustrating. Which pick, trade, moment stood out most to you last night in the NFL draft? There was a lot. There was a lot to consume. It was like sensory overload at times last night in Vegas with the scenery and the people and the length and the trades. I mean, at, at one point, I, I needed to like put a sleep mask on and just close my eyes and meditate because there was too many colors and sounds and faces coming at me, but we persevered. Which pick or trader moment stood out most from last night in the first round of the NFL draft? 888-760-3776. 888 888- 760-3776 and on Twitter at KLV1063. Hey, I want to talk about the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program is your path to the sports industry. I know some people that have gotten their MBA in sport management at Florida Atlantic. They have gone on to work in the NFL. They have been a part of the NFL draft from an organizational standpoint or from a broadcast standpoint. Those are just a small modicum of the types of jobs and just a glance into the expansive industry that is at your fingertips if you get your MBA in sport management at Florida Atlantic. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. That's FAU.edu slash MBA sport. The FAU MBA sport management program. Again, 22 years. It's been around longer than Chris Olave. It's been around longer than Kayvon Thibodeau. 
has been alive. It's been around longer than most of the young prospects that realized their NFL dream last night. It's the FAU-MBA Sport Management Program. It is a standard in collegiate sports industry preparation. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. That's FAU.edu slash MBA Sport, the FAU-MBA Sport Management Program. Which pick or trade or moment stood out most to you last night in the NFL draft? 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, and we take your social media on the other side as well, at KLV1063. He's Stone Labanowitz, Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levicka. I'm live on ESPN 1063. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. We are presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. I'm getting a couple of messages about Jamison Williams after he was taken by Detroit when he was on the NFL Network seeming surly upset, uh, immature. Those are a couple of the words that have been used. I didn't see it. I I, I truly didn't see it. Like, for for example, uh, Encino Jupiter tweets, the kid Williams from Alabama dissing the NFL Network reporter after she tried to interview him. I didn't see this, and I, I can't find anything anywhere. What was that about? Did you catch it, Stone? I didn't catch it. Um, I also didn't know how he spoke, what his attitude was like, but we did see that TMZ interview. He was short with the guy. And he didn't give him that good of an interview. Right, but the TMZ guy like bum rushed him backstage, <laughs> and all his his like entourage is trying to get him to move because they've got a million media appearances after they get drafted. Um, but I I don't I I didn't see it. I so I can't speak to it. I don't want to sit here and say anything about Jameis Williams Jamison Williams without actually seeing the NFL Network interview. So we'll keep efforting that. Um, but I don't I don't know. Um, we've been talking about the pick, the trade, the moment that stood out most to you last night in the NFL draft. For some of you, it's Jamison Williams' behavior. I Again, I don't know. I didn't see it. I have absolutely no idea, and it's not fair to me to speak on it unless I actually saw it. Which pick, trade, or moment stood out most to you last night in the NFL draft? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tough luck for me. I thought that was going to be easy work last night. Dolphins fan. Don't have to worry about a thing. And then the Jets go off. To me, because again, there's no winners or losers in the NFL draft the day after. There's no such thing. It's not possible unless you draft a dog, like a literal dog in the first round. Then I can say, hey, team, you probably lost. But that didn't happen. So it's promising or lackluster expectations. The Jets are above promising. Like, they just, they rolled last night. And Jets fans should be thrilled. It drives me insane. I'm petty. I don't care. I don't want to see the Jets succeed. I thought that they would somehow, someway botch last night. I thought they would maybe give up one of the, the, the two top ten picks for Debo Samuel. None of that ever happened. And instead, they get Gardner. They get Wilson. They get Johnson. That's a really damn feel-good draft in the first round for the Jets. They maximized what they had. Now, I agree with you when you say that there aren't winners coming out of the draft, because how can you really determine that? There's but no I, such thing. But, but I, aren't there losers? Didn't the Green Bay Packers lose, in a sense, by not getting Aaron Rodgers any weapons, just taking two deep but tackles? I, like, how there are teams can, who didn't get better. How can we sit there yesterday and talk about how the, the position that's most likely to bust in the first round be wide receivers and then bag on the Packers 
for not getting a wide receiver when the Packers were in the, the later stages of the first round. That's not fair when you still are going to have guys in the second round that you can piece with the Hall of Fame quarterback. And traditionally, you're right. The Packers have done well in the Devontae second and Adams, third round. Last time I checked, he was a second-round pick, right? Mm-hmm. I think Jordy Nelson was also a third-rounder. They, they've traditionally done well in those later rounds, but still, man, so, they haven't drafted a receiver in the first round in the past 20 NFL sure. drafts. And they only have a single Super Bowl to show for mm-hmm. all of that. So, I, listen, I'm not saying that fans, Packers fans, or outside observers shouldn't be disappointed. You can be disappointed, but there's a difference between a disappointing showing and a losing showing. It might have been disappointing, but I also think that there were some circumstances stacked against them as well. That's all I'm saying. And I I don't think that it's an undiggable grave uh, at the wide receiver position. Are they in a tough spot? Yeah, they are. They are, because you went from having all-pro, arguably best receiver in the NFL to not having all-pro, arguably best receiver in the NFL, and now you don't know what you have to catch the ball from Aaron Rodgers. But I still think this draft is salvageable, and your biggest question mark in the offseason was locking up Aaron Rodgers. And what did the Packers do? They locked up Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, how much stock do you put into pleasing the fans during the NFL draft? Like, Do you think they draft zero. a receiver in the second and third? I think the answer realistically is zero, but you need a receiver for Aaron Rodgers. He has you nobody do. to throw the ball to but right I now. But I don't think that has anything to do with reacting to the fans. I think that has everything to do with Gutekunst having a brain, and they're going to go get a wide out or two or three in the remaining two days of the draft. Right, case in point being the New York Jets, right? We want Debo, we want Debo. They all wanted Debo Samuel. But they're happy with Gary Wilson, and they're happy with Sauce Gardner. So you're right. Just like tonight, when the Dolphins eventually get to the third round and pick for the first time at 102, they're not just going to take offensive linemen because Ken Levicka says that they should get an offensive lineman. Or in their fourth-round pick, take a linebacker because yesterday Ken Levicka said that, hey, they should probably stock up on some linebackers as well. They're going to do it because they know the needs. So getting a wide receiver is not going to be a response to the fans for the Packers. It's going to be a response to, okay, now it's time to address it, and this is where we graded them out, and we still think they're going to be available here. The Packers, it seemed as if they were resigned to the fact they weren't going to be able to trade up. And once that one on wide receivers went just after 10, it was a no-go for the Packers. Yeah, fans have a hard time understanding that when it comes to the second and third in these later rounds in the draft, it's really best available, highest graded, not necessarily what you need. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's at least how... Now, it just so happens sometimes you're able to fall into highest graded and your needs like the Jets did. Everything for the Jets, and I hate to still be regaling you with the greatness of what Joe Douglas did last night, but it wasn't just them getting... uh, And let's hear from Robert Sala real quick, head coach, because he, he was talking about how they got three of their top eight last night. Oh, man. Um, when you get three in the top eight, you're not expecting it. Um, like Joe said, you know, you, you were fortunate we're in a position to take our best available players as, as they come off ranked, and so Sauce was a very easy decision. Um, uh, then getting to 10 with Garrett Wilson, it was a very easy decision, and when we got to 15, and it was like, well, shoot, our, our top guy is still there, and uh, Joe working the phone and being able to get him, um, you get you get three impact players at three premium positions. You 
you dream of it happening, but um, you know, it's, it was it was a really good day, really good good opportunity for these guys to come in and, and, and help this team get better. Yeah, they 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 not only got three of their top eight, but they all fit a position of need, right? Pass rusher, top line corner, who never allowed a touchdown in his career plays, until he faces the Dolphins. What up? Plays more man coverage than any corner in a draft in the past like five six years. I saw, and that fits Salah's scheme so well. Send pressures, play man behind it. That's Sauce Gardner right there. You know where uh, where I put my money in uh, Cheetah versus Sauce on the cat. That's a tough matchup on the because cat. Sauce can play the inside. He can come down and play the slot. That's what man coverage is all about, taking a guy who usually plays outside, but they have a dominant threat on the inside like a Jalen Waddle, like a Cheetah. You know what Sauce That's is going to be? That's Sauce strength, man. You know what Sauce is going to be? Barbecued. <laughs> and then Garrett Wilson. I mean, they, they have the Jets have all those guys now, all a position in need, and now you have Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson uh, and uh, your boy from Miami – and uh, it's sort of Braxton Berrios. Yeah, so you've got Berrios who's sure-handed. He can contribute on special teams. Like but things are, things are looking okay. But in our say, they still got Zach Wilson. So so right. not so not too scary. Right. They got the weapons, but not the guy to do anything with it. The ball just um thrown into the grass with <laughs> Zach Wilson. But man, his hair is great. Skyler's in Texas. Skyler's on Ken Levick alive. What's up, Skyler? Nothing much. Just sitting here. I got two moments for you from last night. Let's do it. Um, First one is the moment right after the draft was over, and I look back over the big board, and I'm like, the Jets, the Giants, and the Eagles actually executed. Yeah. Actually did something right. Yeah. The Um, NFC East suddenly looked competent last night for the first time in a couple of years. Not even making just good decisions. Like, great decisions. Yeah, right. They they stole the, the the draft for me. I mean, it was it was incredible. Hopefully, that means that the league's turning around. We can get some more competition. But <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was incredible for me. And the second moment, um, I was watching um, the draft on the the Pat McAfee uh-huh. um, draft spectacular, and uh, Aaron Rodgers came on after after both picks were in um, for Green Bay, and he was talking about a cool guy. I didn't really care too much. He, he was fully on the Packers defense. They had talked through the picks with him. Their receivers with first round grades weren't there, but he brought up a point. He said the last time that the Packers had two first round picks, 2009, they drafted BJ Raji and Clay Matthews. Mm-hmm. And here's two comparable picks. And then they went on to win the Super Bowl in 2010. Yeah. So we'll see what they do. They've got some work to do at receivers. still. obviously we'll see what they do in the second, third rounds here, but I haven't lost hope. Yeah, uh, and listen, I think that for Aaron Rodgers, if you think about it and appreciate the call, Skyler, his issue was never what wasn't put around him. His issue when he wanted to leave and wanted to be traded was that there was no communication, mm-hmm. right? That was the primary factor, at least what we've been led to believe. It seems like that problem has been more than rectified. So much so that last night Aaron Rodgers admitted something that we previously did not know. And that is, Devontae Adams, contrary to reports when it happened, Aaron Rodgers believed when he re-upped with the Packers that Devontae Adams was going to be there. Turns out, it's not the case. Here's Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee draft special. Everybody assumed that the Packers were going to try to get some weapons. And nobody has heard from you since Devontae Adams got moved to the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Uh, when that move happens, obviously we know the connection and the relationship that you and Devontae have. You've talked about it on this show ad nauseum and how much respect you have for him. Did that surprise you? Uh, obviously you're not going to be able to replace a Devontae Adams, but how has that conversation evolved with the Packers from you? And what do you think uh, are going to be the steps going forward? Well, we've had a lot of success with the uh, second and third round receivers uh, in Green Bay. You know, you look at uh, Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, James Jones in the third round, obviously Devontae Adams in the second round. Uh, those guys turned out pretty good. So uh, I'm not sure. I think we're about to pick here in a second. But, um, but you know, it was, it was a little surprising with Devontae. Um, obviously, when I made my decision, uh, I was still thinking he was going to come back. You know, I was I was very honest with him about my my plans and my future and where I saw you know my career going uh, as far as how many years I wanted to play. But I, I felt like you know he was going to be back. Uh, didn't obviously turn out that way. But I have so much love for Tay and appreciate the time we spent together and and definitely wish him uh, wish him the best with Derek in in uh, in Vegas. But that's a big hole to fill for sure. That doesn't sound like an acrimonious Aaron Rodgers. That sounds like an Aaron Rodgers who was communicated to by the Packers and by Devontae Adams. And while it's okay to be disappointed, it's hard to be angry after that. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't appear to be angry and appears to be in a right frame of mind the way he explains that. It's amazing what happens when you freaking talk. Yeah, and, and to your point, Aaron kind of exposed himself in a sense of me and Devontae had a conversation and we spoke about how long I wanted to stay and play here. So I'm sure once Devontae heard Aaron say, I got like two more, maybe three more seasons left in me here in Green Bay. Once you hear that, it's time to pick up your bags and go if you're Devontae because you got a long career ahead of you. Yeah. So, so I mean, it was, it was communication that led to Devontae leaving, for sure. Uh, and then that brings us to Lamar Jackson because our man from Boynton is not happy. He is not happy at all, and we'll discuss that when we return. But first, let me tell you about Brightline. Hey, Sixers, come get some! (laughs) Sixers coming to FTX Arena on Monday night, Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals. This is going to be a bloodbath. I mean, it's going to be nasty. There's going to be Twitter fights. There's going to be fights on the floor. There's going to be technicals. It is going to be intense. You need to make sure that you get down to FTX Arena in plenty of time to get yourself mentally and maybe even physically prepared for what you're going to experience game one, Heat Sixers at the FTX Arena. And that means you need to conserve your energy, and it means that you need to be there in enough time to prepare. And the way to do that is to not get in the car and run into gridlock on 95. Ooh, I'll get fancy and take the turnpike and cut over. That's even worse, dopey. You need to take the train. Brightline. Go brightline.com, free Brightline app. Theo Dorsey went down to the Heat closeout game of the Hawks. What did he text us, Stone, that night? He said, I'm never driving to a Heat game ever again in my life. And I have the proof on my phone. I'm looking at it right now. Theo Dorsey said, I am never driving there again. And that's a man who listens to me pontificate about Brightline all the time. And what did he do? He made a mistake. And he paid for that mistake. (laughs) And now he knows Brightline is the only way to get to Heat games. Okay? Take the buzzer beater train. From a station in West Palm, from a station in Fort Lauderdale, get down to Miami. It's a block and a half. The station's a block and a half from FTX Arena. The entire way down, eat snacks, drink, and uh, enjoy yourself. It's enjoyable. 
It's the only enjoyable way to transport yourself in South Florida. Why wouldn't you do this? So go to GoBrightLine.com or the free Brightline app. And hey, if you've got friends down south, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, they're coming to meet you at Sunfest this weekend, tell them, hey, don't get in the car. Parking's $45 around here for Sunfest. Okay? Take the train. Take Brightline. People, I don't know how to say it any more clearly. This is the way to get around South Florida and do so feeling great. Take advantage of the snacks. Take advantage of the drinks. Take advantage of the premium seating. It's Brightline. There's not anywhere else in the country that has something like this. Brightline. Go Brightline.com. Brightline app. Get your passes. Enjoy Sunfest by taking the train. Enjoy the heat by taking the train. That's Brightline. Go Brightline.com. He's Stone Labanowitz, Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Lavica. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. <laughs> From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Old Man Roman tweets, Hey Ken, get ready for the New York Jets era. It's okay, you still got the heat. Hashtag Jets. Thanks, Roman. We're presented by... The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash sport. The Jets killed it last night. They at least win the uh, the first round NFL Draft Promise Award. <laughs> they, that they they hit needs and they got guys who are high in their draft board. I don't get why Jermaine Johnson dropped the way that he did. I thought he was a top fifteen pick. Yeah, I guess just a need of the position. I mean, he wasn't the best edge rusher. On, on, I think on the board. So eventually he was going to slide, but he didn't slide too much. He didn't slide too much in my opinion. And another shocking thing to me is that these NFL teams stayed disciplined. They kept their hands inside the ride. They didn't grab and grab and grab at quarterbacks. I thought that the, the desire would be too strong, that they would be drawn in by the sultry mistress that is the thought of a first-round quarterback and – the only quarterback taken was Kenny Pickett, and the Steelers got him, but I think it's it's reasonable to say that maybe just maybe the Steelers did a – we talked about not appeasing the fans. The Steelers, kind of part of the decision was probably to keep that guy home, and that's going to help at least sell them on a new quarterback era, something they're not used to in Pittsburgh that had to be at least a part of that conversation. I mean, I understand that, but if not, if you don't draft a quarterback, you're putting all your chips into the Mitch Trubisky basket. And I don't think that's what you want to do. The Mitch Trubisky basket has a hole in it. The <laughs> Mitch Trubisky basket is is made of straw and it has a massive hole in it. So you can put an egg or two, but they're falling right through and they're cracking yolk everywhere on the pavement. Yeah, I don't want the Mitch Trubisky basket. Yeah, I think they're going to compete for the job. I think Pittsburgh does enough to put them in a quarterback battle and see who comes out because I don't know if Mitch Trubisky is head light years over, you know, the experience and skill talent that, yeah. that Kenny Pickett presents. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll answer that for you. No, he's not <laughs> light years ahead of, uh, of Kenny Pickett. You, the hands immediately came up last night when Kenny Pickett was taken. Did they? I didn't that, catch oh, it. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of discussion about his tiny little hands. Uh, but you say that it's not going to be that big a deal because he already wears gloves. You said he double-gloved it, right? He, he double-gloved He double-bagged his hands. Even on pro day in any workout he had. And that's okay, NFL, right? It's okay. Listen, 
He just got done playing four or five years in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So it's not like the weather is going to change when they're at home. He's been here, and he's done that. I mentioned 46 starts. Career, he started five years. That matters more than his hand size. It matters a hundred times more. I mean, those hands more. are really tiny. Though. That's fine. Those, those are gloves? like the smallest hands I've ever seen. Well, we're trusting science. Whatever that's sticky, whatever the glove material is made, <laughs> I trust that. Uh, me too. Actually, that's a that's a great point. You know, it's crazy playing flag football. If you go, like, I, I'm a receiver in flag football. Oh, yeah. No, like the Nick O'Leary no gloves against the gloves. It's amazing how much better I am when I uh, I have the gloves yeah, on. Yeah, no man. doubt. It actually scares me. When I see people out there with no gloves, like, I, what are you I, doing? I respect the confidence because yeah. they trust their hands. And a lot of them, the answer is it makes my hands feel weird. Like I don't feel like they're my hands. So I get that. And, but and I that's like a mental to block. stick to my hands. I don't care. It's a mental block. Though. Yeah. They want to feel the grip. They want to feel the pores on no. that ball. But you're I wanna, weird. I want to make sure the ball is in my hands. Okay. <laughs> like that. That's all I care. I don't care if I don't feel it. I just want to see it in my hands yeah, when you it think, comes to me. You think Odell's reaching back and grabbing that ball barehanded? No. no. Absolutely not. Now, no. I do see where it would feel weird throwing the ball with a glove on. Now, I, I can't agree with that, obviously, from experience, but but it is weird. You don't feel like you're really grabbing the ball, but you feel extra confident that you're not going to lose not gonna the slip, ball. It's not going to slip, so you right. can just rip it. Yeah, you All can't right. really feel it, but you can. You have confidence in what it feels that like. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I, I always defer to you on, uh, obviously, quarterback matters because you actually know what you're talking about. That makes sense. That does make sense that your least confidence is not going to fly out of your hands. Hey, are you experiencing foot and ankle pain? You need to see an expert in the field? Good news for you. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians and leading-edge treatments and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle, joint replacement, spine and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare care for more information today baptist health orthopedic care has offices conveniently located in palm beach county through the florida keys learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash ortho care so hollywood brown traded by baltimore to arizona last night number 23 overall the cardinals send that to baltimore and off goes hollywood brown not only the top wide receiver target for lamar jackson but also best friend, arguably, of Lamar Jackson. And I think it's pretty accurate to say, Stone, that Lamar didn't handle it well. Because as soon as the trade happened on Twitter, Lamar Jackson fired off a WTF, a what the bleep, not happy. And then Arizona tweeted out a welcome to Hollywood Brown and Lamar Jackson put a couple of sad emojis and an angry expletive yelling emoji as well. Lamar is not happy. Lamar, I think, feels as if the Ravens did him wrong. At least the reaction on social media lends you in a common sense world to believe that, right? Right. I don't understand the decision because it, with a quarterback who, who's been facing injury and has already had his trials and tribulations like, this doesn't feel good. Like, he will need time to recover from this. This isn't something that's just going to go away. That was his best friend. They shared South Florida ties, and now he's just gone without even communicating because the WTF just tells us it that he had no clue. Yeah, the WTF suggests that he had no clue, except when you hear Hollywood Brown. Because Hollywood Brown, right after he was traded yesterday, was on Sirius XM, I am athlete tonight. 
And listen to Hollywood Brown explain how all of this went down and why he's no longer a Raven. It was just some like my my happiness. I mean, I talked to Lamar about it. I you know, talked after to my Lamar second about year. It. And you know, then I, after my third year leading up to the end of the season, you know, he wasn't playing. You know, I, I let him know again, like, yeah, bro, I can't do it. And you know, it's not really on Lamar. Like I love Lamar. It was just, you know, it's just the system wasn't for me personally. You know, I love all my teammates. You know, I love the guys. But it was just, you know, something I had to think about for myself. So it's not like Lamar wasn't aware that Hollywood Brown wasn't happy, right? He said, I told him after year two, and I told him after year three. This wasn't working for me. I wish he would have said what they talked about. Just a little glimpse, because that's kind of open-ended. Like, what did you talk about? What did you say, hey, eventually I'm going to go somewhere? I mean, that doesn't sound like a conversation that was... Had. Listen to this from Mike Florio, and this might be an inconvenient truth for people like me, like you, that are big Lamar fans. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson acted surprised that the Ravens traded receiver Hollywood Brown last night. Jackson shouldn't have been. Brown told I Am Athlete tonight on Sirius XM Mad Dog Radio that he did indeed ask for a trade and that Jackson did in knee, indeed know about it. So why did Lamar act surprised about the move, and why did Lamar seem upset that the Ravens did it? Although Brown said he loves Lamar, Brown said it all when he uttered the words, quote, the system just wasn't for me. That system is Lamar Jackson. It's built around Jackson. It's not conducive to receivers generating big numbers. A rejection of the system is a rejection of Jackson, no matter what Brown or anyone else says. It's one of the reasons why the Ravens have a hard time attracting receivers via free agency. They have to draft them, and then they may have to trade them. That will be the case unless and until they change the system. On one hand, it's useful to not do whatever everyone else does. It puts extra pressure on opposing defenses who don't face that kind of system on a regular basis. On the other hand, if what a given team is doing de-emphasizes one specific offensive position, the players who play that position will eventually want to play somewhere else. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, laying it down. If Hollywood Brown, or the reason Hollywood Brown is no longer on the Ravens, is actually because of Lamar Jackson. Now, now that's confusing to me because when Lamar extends plays and, and, and it becomes a scramble drill, who does he usually find? Hollywood. Now, that's not traditional, and you're not running a route to catch and a ball nine seconds later of the play. You also can't expect that you're going uh, to get continued production out of a, out of a, a, a scenario like that. Right, or yeah, a certain amount of touches or targets. Right, you're not expecting to get the same amount so, every Sunday, and that is probably really annoying. This lends the question, if Florio is right, and free agent wide receivers don't want to come play for the Ravens because Lamar Jackson is that offense. He is the system, and it discourages consistent production from the wide receivers. Is Lamar Jackson ever capable of winning a Super Bowl? Is Lamar Jackson ever capable of winning a Super Bowl if the most name wide receiver he has had as a pro is leaving largely because he can't expect any consistency because Lamar is the system in Baltimore? Can Lamar Jackson... Win a Super Bowl. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at KLV1063. Can Lamar Jackson actually win a Super Bowl? 888-760-3776. When we return, it's a full hour with J-Mart. We take your calls and we hang out with the man himself. It's a Friday. He's Stone the Banowitz. Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 1063.